Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 682, recording today live from the cloud. We're trying that again Wednesday, the 1st of September. Yeah, I guess uh, September is a thing. I guess that means autumn. That's a bit scary. And the sun isn't shining. But hey, this is a music technology podcast, not a weather commentary channel. Uh, if you want to find out more about this, uh, we stream live on YouTube every week at 4 p.m. UK time on Wednesday. Uh, we also stream via Twitch, which some of you will be watching. We're streaming via um uh, Facebook Live as well, I think I, I do as well. So, uh, so welcome to our chatties. There we've got uh, people in the chat room, the IRC, and also in the YouTubes. And while I still remember, I want to say thank you very much to Synth Addict. Uh, last week, he was very generous with his Super Chat donation. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, very much appreciated. We missed out. It was a bit hectic because last week I tried the cloud thing and it all went wrong and I had to suddenly rebuild the show locally in the hardware here. Because And I'll tell you why I'm doing this. The reason is because we're going to Superbooth. Superbooth is going to be on the 15th of September onwards for three days and I want to be able to produce some kind of live stream show there so I need to be able to make a virtual version. If you want to find out more about how this is all working uh, there's the pre-show uh, which if you're on Patreon uh, I'll, pl- I'll plug it now you can uh, join Patreon and you get to see the pre-show we take the ads out and you get um, the full Sonic Talk experience but with the extra bits on and the commercial bits out so if you're interested in that patreon.com forward slash Sonic State. Uh, audio version available everywhere, you know, uh, Google, Alexa, all of those things, all of those places where you find your podcasts, and that will be up tomorrow. But let's get on to saying hello to some folks, because uh, we've got some people. We'll start, actually, with uh, the furthest away. We've got Mr. Rich Hilton, who's there in Connecticut. Rich, fresh back from gigs. How was it? You're back from the UK, which we couldn't hook up, but uh, this is this is great. How uh, did you? Were you euphoric? Was it great? It was euphoric and great. Um, it was also surreal and bizarre. Um, so it was a lot of things and a lot of mixed uh, feelings. Although I was thrilled to do it, and we're doing more of it in two weeks. Um, wow. It was great. The audiences were in, immense and incredibly receptive and warm and wonderful. And uh, we uh, we had a very strict regimen of testing before we came, testing after we arrived. We had to perform self-tests every single day. I've got one around here somewhere. Oh, it's better. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm familiar with those. Uh, so we've been, you know, tested up, you know, every day. And uh, kept pretty much in a bubble amongst our own people and not really, I certainly wasn't doing any socializing. And uh, apologize, apologies to everybody who were so kind to understand why we couldn't do socializing. And um, I still can't really do socializing because I want to come back in two weeks. And uh, being positive and asymptomatic isn't good enough. You have to be negative, so I have to be negative. So I have to kind of act like it's last year, and uh, which it sort of is actually, and uh, not get yeah. this thing, so that we can keep playing. Oops, Bob. I love it. I love playing music. I love seeing happy faces. I love the whole experiences of playing with my bandmates and being with them. We have so much fun together. So it was great and uh, bizarre. 
at the same time. Well, uh, uh, congratulations to you, man, because I, you know, I know that uh, it's been a long time. I know Gaz had some gigs as well, and there were some pictures of him, and he just looked like he was, he was living, loving life, and I'm sure it was much the same for you. But lovely to have you, and I hope your return trip is also equally as as fun. You're welcome. Um, we also have Mr. <laughs> Dominic Hawkin, who's Hello. over there. Uh, Mr. Wiggly, how are you, Dom? I'm good. I don't get out much anyway, but no gigs. But it was brilliant to see Gaz's face. And just um, just talking to Rich before the show, I seem to have received lots of uh, Facebook-style messages from friends who don't know each other that all were at one of his gigs. You know, so obviously everyone was just so keen to get out and support music and just get out there and have some fun, which is absolutely brilliant. So I really, really hope uh, all of that stuff can continue and it doesn't, uh, and it just continues on this upward spiral because it's been so tough for us. We all know how tough it's been, but uh, it's lovely to see people out playing again and out enjoying festivals as well, which is which is just fab. Uh, I've just been programming plugins, which is for me equally satisfying. Ah, I was going to plug your plugins. Uh, Mr. Oh, Mr. Wrigley.co.uk, Mr. Wiggly.co.uk. Uh, I've got the incinerator. That does rather imply that there might be something more on the cards i, I don't there know whether that's is. the case or not it is very 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 close so i um, maybe it just needs to be a little bit closer to announce it i think but it's very very close it's uh, it's making noise and and the knobs are wiggling as wiggly, wiggly stuff does it's all good so finally it's it always takes so much longer than i expect but that's just the case with with coding i guess the deadlines are, are kind of stretchy at best yeah, well, I do hope. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's plenty of time. No rush. Exactly. <laughs> At least exactly. you haven't got to worry about component shortages or anything, have you? So, uh, <laughs> no. Oh, gosh. I know a few manufacturers are having some trouble with that as well. It's just just crazy. Um, but yeah, and at least the show's on. So hopefully your all your video work will be uh, will be, you know, be worthwhile by the time you get out there is that is it all for real and for definite and everything booked now so it's, it's definitely well we yes we are booked and oh, this is super booth for those of you who perhaps are still thinking about going it's still going ahead i've had reports back from the people over at super booth there's tickets available i'm pretty sure it's not going to be hard to get in i mean you just need a, a negative test i believe as far as i understand but you should check superbooth.com for the site but yeah we're going with the full team we're going proper full-on because we want to kind of say a number of things you know it's like it's still going we want to support the industry we want to do our thing you know we're, we're we just want to also it's nice to be able to get away with with the team because we haven't seen them for such a long time so you know all of that we're doing all of those things um and we'll try and bring as much content as possible there will i know that there's going to be some exciting stuff which i obviously can't talk about but yeah from the uh 15th of september superbooth.com or sonic state channel there will be forthcoming video and uh, we're all ready to go um okay I must apologise, Rich. I think I actually was adjusting your delay, not your not your voice, not your level of your voice. So you ended up being really out of sync, and I was going, "Oh no, I've broken it." I'm starting to have that slight panic that uh, what I had done was 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 having a, a, an issue with my virtual instance. But now, if you speak, I think you'll be in time. Okay. Yay! <laughs> Thank goodness. Okay. For that. Thank goodness for that. I'm very pleased. And I wanted to say that I use I use the Mr. Wiggly incinerator every day. Oh. It's Thank a God, staple really cool. on my lead sounds from the Roly. Um, it, it's a staple there, and I love it. It sounds great. Rich, thank, thank you, you so much. No, no, no. Thank oh, you. It's that. so kind of you to say that. That's just, yeah, really, really, really touching. It's so good. Thank you. Yeah. Sounds great. 
Makes you feel excellent. Good. Well, we're all a bit loved up here, which is as it should be, and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, so let's uh, let's start with the video because uh, we've got the, this is really quite interesting uh, development. I mean, again, I, it's very cloudy, but uh, let's just uh, you can edit the notes let's just hear any it. audio sample. Let me show you how it works with this sample. First, you add the plugin to an empty MIDI track. Then you drag your audio sample into the plugin. Once it's done processing, you will see a MIDI transcription of your audio sample. Now all that's left to do is to drag that MIDI transcription into the same MIDI track that the plugin is on. If you play the result, it should sound the same as the original audio sample. Now we can start editing all the notes in the piano roll. The sampler plugin will then apply these changes to the audio sample in real time. Oh, I'm off. We've seen this before in a number of uh, uh, other technologies. Melodyne DNA, of course, being the first to do it. But this is from these guys called Sample Lab. Uh, if I bring the screen up, it's essentially, I, I would play you these demos, but I haven't figured out how to route the audio from my browser into the instance. So the idea is, as was instructed in the video, it's connected to the cloud. So you need to be connected to the internet. It works that way. I guess it fires it up to a super duper instance, sorts it out, brings it down, and then turns it into something that you can then use to re um uh you know rejig your audio and we like to say melodyne dna does it i mean it's you know melodyne dna you can buy uh ara versions and more affordable versions but uh, I, and i doubt it, this has the same level of complexity but for free that ain't bad is it i'm gonna come for you tom because you're a plugin developer so i don't know whether or not this is good news <laughs> or bad news <laughs> no no it's great it's really really good um and, and I think we'll probably see more of this in future. Obviously, it's not real time because you're dragging stuff off into the cloud, but um, it gets more and more real time in that, you know, when I know a couple of people who are developing cloud-based sample library type stuff um, with AI kind of thinking about what you might load next. So rather than going and saying, right, I now need this piano and you wait while it downloads, it goes, well, you've, these are the last most used things. And normally if you're going on this bass sound, I'll, I'll begin to download stuff that I think you might be loading next and therefore it reduces the latency, which is quite clever. So I see more and more of this. It always makes me wonder because we've got online mastering services where you can upload your thing and you get it back. I've often wondered whether you, someone sitting at the other end with a copy of Ozone and a couple of scripts that are just kind of sticking it through Ozone and squirting it back. Um, and this is neat because a bit like Loop Cloud, for example, it's 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 interfacing with a with a VST or an AU or whatever, just a plugin that's sitting there and going, okay, I'm going to squirt this off and squirt it back. I, what it's doing is, well, I guess it's not revolutionary because stuff does it, but actually it's revolutionary in terms of the fact that it's much, much cheaper because the Melodyne version that does this kind of stuff is is the top one or the one, you know, it's definitely a couple of levels up in, in financial cost and stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to think of the, the logistics and the, and the commercial aspect of doing this. I guess 
you could write a plugin that does this on a local machine. It might require quite a lot of heavy lifting in order at the moment. And, and, and the beautiful thing about this is you can make tweaks to it all the time without having to be people to do re-downloads and stuff. And once you've got this installed on people's machines, you can then really easily add other functionality to it. And for something that isn't a real-time approach, so I'm thinking of stuff like Melodyne where you normally go, okay, I want this, this auto-tune to be analyzed and then I'm going to do stuff with it. There's really no difference between kind of saving it locally and saving it offline. I mean, I guess some people will be a bit concerned about sending their lead vocals out onto the cloud. Um, ideally, everything would be local. Clearly, you've got to have an internet connection. I, I know people whose music computers kind of to stay offline just just for you know yeah. to remove resources. But no, it's a good thing, and I think it's a pretty young team of a couple of people doing it. Um, so full marks to them if, if it is that you know just just good luck to you guys because they've raised a nice amount of profile to it a few people have shown this to me it's a good old thing uh, and also I, I did get completely lambasted by a guy any excuse to say this little story but one of the guys saw a video I did about incinerator uh, where I'd said you know it's my real incinerator in the corner over there and he was like you are an idiot. You're a snake oil salesman. It's not going anywhere near your incinerator. It's not even going out over the internet. You know, this whole weird thing about he really thought that my plugin was sending the audio to my studio into my incinerator <laughs> and then back again, which is logistically just not, not, not possible. <laughs> not viable. Uh, but this kind of, you know, like, and I was saying, well, I could probably, you know, I could fill a whole space with lots of incinerators, but then I'd have to have a team of people on a patch, but you know, all this kind of stupidity, but but yes, this kind of thing is perfect, and I, I'm sure we're going to see more of it as uh, as things go on. Um, obviously, they're also getting a lot of data to work with um, about how yeah, this I mean, thing that should work, that, and that probably must, that's the key. But, but, I, but I will, yeah, but I will say, look, I mean, here I'm just going to hit download, and um, it just it just does it. You know, there's, there's no yeah, sign. Brilliant. I mean, there may be a sign up in it. I know. What do you think, Rich? I mean, I know you. You know, you you have used Melodyne. I mean, anybody in the pro audio business uses Melodyne these days, but for a variety of different reasons. It's not necessarily to fit dodgy takes. It's for it's so useful for many things. But this is an interesting idea. You muted. It wasn't just me. Take a drink. Um, yeah, it, it's certainly a bargain um to be <laughs> yeah. able to do this in the way that you can and i think the workflow they've created is pretty intuitive and easy um i will assume that because they haven't said anything that the only thing you can really do with this thing is it just pitches and chop notes and move them but you i, I don't i didn't see any provision you can, no you can you, you can you you can change uh you can change timing you can split notes and have them so you can change timing as well right i saw that but but um amplitude tools cross uh you know uh sw tools that control the right. if you were to put a vocal up there for example in other words melodyne seems at least on first blush to be considerably more fully featured but then again as dom correctly points out it's very it's fairly expensive i mean it's hundreds of dollars pounds euros it's uh mm. the ones yeah. that do this but uh i've been doing this for a long time and um it, it came in incredibly handy like shortly after i got it it was like i want to change the chords in that section and i was able to like go into this recording which was a lot of tracks of rhythm players and make those chords what he wanted them to be and it's totally undetectable in the and the recordings 
So it's a useful thing to be able to do. It's cool that they make it easy to do and inexpensive to do. Was it free or was it cheap? I don't remember. It's it free. Not much. <laughs> it's free. Okay. Well, there you go. It doesn't get much cheaper than that. And uh, <laughs> I, I applaud them. It's cool. As Do- and again, as Dom said, uh, full marks to those young people who came up with a way of doing this virtually. And uh, I don't care about putting my files up for processing. Um, I guess some yeah I think like it's all HTCP, HTTPS uh, one thing I mean this does raise a bigger question which is because I've, I've seen this at various shows in fact I was looking back at some a video that was shot at one of the last physical shows we were at and it was an idea, it was a way of controlling audio, hardware audio with kind of I forget the name of the company so you could attach you could get to the processors you could get to the pots you could change parameters and that meant you could send them audio files and then process it as you want and in some ways you know because of the experience expense of some of the more esoteric and highly highly valuable um, studio processing. I mean, then we might be getting close to this notion of I've got a big room full of gear that I only use from uh, nine till three uh, for the rest of the time. Maybe I should just, you know, I'll stick an interface on it. I can rent my whatever it may, my Fairchild, my original 1930s Fairchild out to somebody and they can just pour audio through it and take it home and, uh, and, and, and pay by the hour. So it's almost, it become, I wonder if that's even viable. I mean, you must have seen some of this stuff because you've been to AES. I mean, it's been a thing or certainly a tried to be a thing for ages, Rich, hasn't it? I just don't know if anyone's actually pulled it off, but we might be getting there. You're talking about with respect to the cloud basis of this, or the well, not the cloud basis, but say for instance, there's a there's an interface that allows me to send audio through your, you know, whatever you've got something nice in your studio. All you have to do is be connected to the internet with some kind of, and you just go well between these hours. Yeah, you can pipe audio through my thing, record it, and take it home. You know, and that gets paid for by some mechanism. And there are instances where that's been happening. I mean, it's sort of happening in kind of you get with mastering where you're you're working remotely there's but the ability to just kind of go let's say using something like listen to pipe your stuff through uh, the daw and select the outputs and then it's going to the fairchild and then you record in the, the the return and you have the file back to yourself remotely and you you know somebody pays you two quid or the fiver or whatever it may be just it, that's what i was trying to get at i think okay well two things come to mind first of all the first thing i remember that did this was a silo where you could book time and oh, send yeah. your thing into the silo and record reverb. And the other thing is, for the amount of, I don't know, trouble, the, the trouble to romance ratio in this uh, tells me to just put the <laughs> damn plug-in on the track and use the plug-in and nobody's going to care or know. Or <laughs> damn or, you know like that's, that's just how it goes for me. And, uh, I, you know, if you had a Fairchild sitting there and I needed to use a Fairchild, first of all, I wouldn't need to use it between 1230 and 1245. I'd need to use it. And second of all, it's just not. There's yeah, there, no, there, there's a hundred ways that could go wrong, and uh, <laughs> there's only maybe a dozen that my plugin will. So <laughs> that's how I look at life. That's true. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I just thought it was worth bringing up because I, I, Dom, I just happened to see something along those lines on a video that I was skimming past from our own uh, our own archive, and I thought, hmm, yeah. okay, yeah. That, I, I was just googling trying to. 
I was trying to find the name of the place that they were they were inundating with with males where they did they had exactly that and they'd they'd spent money on a, a web interface to control their stuff so you would it was exactly as you describe and I maybe they're not around anymore so you could get the Fairchild and you could rent space on it and you could just use it and control it so they they weren't even they didn't need to be in the studio and and I'm Rich is a hundred percent right. I can see kind of like, wouldn't it be great if I ran this baseline through a Fairchild? Because, you know, I just, or the whole mix or something. But it has to be so easy. So making it as easy to use as a plugin, and one step towards that is what these guys have done by making a plugin that kind of, you don't, almost don't know it's connected in the back end. Um, it's definitely a step forward. But but starting the clock as you're as you're on it, and obviously only one person can use it at a time mm. for that kind of stuff. And that's, that's, that's the issue. Um you know, it's otherwise I'd have me. Well, mate, okay. What, what about what about uh, what about reamping or remiking through very split? Like Rich was saying about you know through a very specific space. So yeah. I would like to feed my or. But I mean, I suppose the thing is, is most of this stuff is now happening extremely effectively through uh, um, impulse, impulse responses, responses and, yeah, and modelling yeah. and all that stuff. I suppose. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's always it's always nice to have the real thing, you know. And I'm sure the engineers would prefer to use a Fairchild than they would the Fairchild plugin. I just it's the it's the it's the barrier to entry, isn't it? It's the oh I just yeah. it's, 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 it's too much hassle. I don't I, I don't need saying. to think about this. But but yeah if a, a huge vacuous space or they, that that could be quite interesting or something which evolves rather than a static thing that can't be impulse responsed and 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 impulse mm. responses only work with with sound that occurs after the impulse so that you can't impulse response distortion for example and you can't impulse response chorus particularly well anyway it has to be it has to be the, the sound of the room so if you find somewhere that's constantly evolving I suppose that might be worthwhile. I can't think of an example, but you know, I'm sure uh, someone will think of it and sell it as an NFT or something shortly, and uh, buy the <laughs> NFT version or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rich, I, I could see you wanted to come in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, apart from the ambient uh, discussion, which was kind of born of my example of the silo, um, there's a McDSP product. It's rather expensive. It's called APB. Oh. It's Analog Processing Box, and it allows you to run software controlled analog circuitry live in your studio recallable and and they have a tremendous sounding suite of plugins some of which sound every bit as good as the fairchild you probably rented or whatever and uh it, it doesn't have anything to do with the remote cloud thing it actually it actually puts it actually puts the thing in your studio and it's analog circuitry that is configurable via software to run various functions that we do all the time and uh right it actually sort of replaces analog hardware but it's much more versatile because you can use it for a range of things so uh i just wanted to bring that uh, in even though it doesn't have anything yeah. to do with cloud-based remote servicing it does bring an analog processing box into your studio and allow you to use it in various different ways up to and including mixers and compressors and all kinds of different things that they do with it yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's working out. It's, cool it's a very ambitious. It's a very ambitious thing. Yeah. Uh, I should probably just uh, have a quick word from our friends over. Uh, I don't. Uh, yes. Let's let's just run that. This is the Cobalt Eight, which is a, a very beautiful blue thing. Uh, we've got uh, eight voice extended virtual analog synth, innovative oscillator with 
Way more than 34 algorithms. I must update my notes with the new operating system update. Morphable four-pole ladder surf filter. 29 endless encoders for real-time control. Internal sequencer and arpeggiator. MPE support for expression. Modal app for Mac, Windows, iOS, Android, and VST3AU. Uh, check out bit.ly slash get underscore modal to find out more about their stuff. Uh, and we thank them for their support. Um, okay, well, let's let's get on to another topic then. Let's see. I've got minimum... Yeah. Um, I think we'll go for uh, uh, who's got enough pianos. This was interesting. So this is the Sound Iron piano. I'm not sure what it's modelled on. It does sound particularly lovely, but the idea is really that it's a sort of 1950s style piano, which is quite muted and frequency range is quite narrow, but it has a real vibe to it and they've obviously just done a lot of this is this, this isn't actually yeah, that it's been 29 everybody. bucks till the end of the month i think that's probably today's walkthrough we're going to be checking out the brand new delphi piano volume one autumn 1958. this instrument captures the rich muddy and fuzzed out flavor of late 50s jazz blues and big band piano however this piano works equally as well in different types of styles like ambient lo-fi hip-hop post-rock contemporary class yeah, I mean, it's got a ton of examples there, and there's some really there's there's some lovely ambient patches in there. I mean, the piano is a is a beautiful instrument to 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 just play with sonically, as we know. I'll come to you, Rich, because I know you've actually got a piano, a real piano that is probably um, uh, capable. It might even be 1950s or thereabouts. I do not know. Maybe not. 1914, six foot oh. Downstairs Sweet. that I grew up playing as a kid and now has found its way back to me. Thank God. Thank God. Um, uh, so, th as to this sample set, it's charming. It's cool. It's unique. It's not the perfect piano that everybody's been trying to make for the last 20 years. It's completely something other than that. The implication that jazz records were made on these things other than live recordings in clubs of out of tune pianos is uh, a bit extreme but i'll i'll give him a pass on that because he's just trying to make it seem like it was useful for something and it is but uh it's not useful for that um it, it's a nice atmospheric thing and they've done a lot of nice uh sound design with it and uh it's a pretty cool you know for 29 bucks you know how can you argue but um it's not. Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I like this trend towards using pianos to towards making pianos that aren't the perfect giant grand. I really do. I quite like that, yeah. and I've even liked some of the unique pianos that uh, various companies, particularly that in my mind, Native Instruments have done, like the twelve foot upright and the Unicorda stuff, and the, the thing where they have single strings on every key rather than threes and twos. And it has very unique. I like unique pianos, and I like this piano. So for twenty nine bucks, sure, yeah. it's a no brainer. It, it certainly is. The only thing I will say, and I noticed this, it does require, as far as I can tell, the full version of Contact, which is a bit of a downer uh, for some people who maybe yeah. don't own that. So that does. That's a shame, but you often you often find that with contact libraries that there's a certain once you reach a certain threshold because they they will pay, you know the the manufacturer has to pay quite a lot to get their stuff baked as a contact player version. You know it's quite a heavy license, I believe. So maybe that's mm -hmm. that's the reason. Yeah, I don't know how much you have to pay UVI to use their player, but I would imagine it might be cheaper and worth investigating because my favourite 
uh, plug-in piano is still the Ravenscroft UVI one, which I did a kind of shootout on those. It's not nowhere near as good as a real piano, but it is lovely. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I do like the. I think that he who dies with the most pianos probably wins. I mean, you can never have <laughs> pianos really. <laughs> but uh, equally, just like Rich, I do love the kind of esoteric stuff. There was, and I, can't, I was just trying to think of that. I don't want to run Logic to check it because it might kill my connection. But um, there was one which had some kind of granular. Uh, effects on it. Oh, was it Nils? Uh, the Nils. Yes. From yes. Exactly yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah. That that's wonderful in terms of effects and stuff. This one sounds really nice for lo-fi stuff and kind of slightly wonky beats and um, and I it's not. I don't think pianos sounded like that in the 1950s. I think recordings of pianos in the 1950s probably sound like that. I, I got a feeling that, you know, pianos probably sounded pretty cool in the 1950s, but it's very reminiscent of the kind of Ivan Novello sitting in the corner singing his latest uh, song to the ladies after dinner kind of sound. But yeah, it's lovely. It's, it's calming and... <laughs> And, and yeah, yeah it, it's it more like that's what the mics sounded like in 1950, exactly. not the piano. Exactly. And the right? slight crackle <laughs> because it's it's degraded slightly, you know. I'm sure it would be very how weird would it be if you went to a concert and it, you know, with a real piano in the corner, and it actually sounded like it was crackly on a bad recording. Anyway, so I digress, <laughs> I'm completely off, off the course of logic there, but um, yeah, look, I really like the sound of it. Um, I completely agree with Rich. It's really cheap, and I'm sure it has a real place. It sounds like it could sit really nicely within within tracks. And yeah, I love the sound of piano, so I, I'm going to grab that one. I think. Well, it's interesting that we talked. This kind of links in with the previous topic, actually, because I saw uh, Charles Chicky Reeves. I went to see him because I was in London at the weekend, and I, I popped by his crib because I'd never been there. And we were continuing the conversation about the pianos because you know he ha had a Steinway, a New York Steinway, but he's got one of those Yamaha midified pianos. And so sometimes oh, yeah. when he needs a piano recording, he sends the person who's living in the space where his piano is the MIDI file, the mics it up, records it nicely and sends it back because he gets the performance just right and then he just gets the recording of the piano in the space with the mics. Which that there was that Moog piano bar. There, there was the Moog piano bar, which uh, um, was a, a retrofitting thing as well, which yes. may or may not be... I mean, that might be something... You know, you, I, that that sort of rings a little bit of a uh, sparkle of, of that might work. You know, send me a MIDI file, Definitely. I'll send you the recording back and then you just totally. dial up the, totally. the velocity. Absolutely, or, 100%. If you could do that when the, and the room and everything yeah totally that makes complete sense you just have so to stick you it in just get room. you just get yeah well you just get stems back of all the different mic sets so you yeah. can balance it yourself yeah, yeah, completely completely hmm. older one at three o'clock in the morning know. and he's doing a test upstairs and it's like oh turn <laughs> he's uploaded a mini file yeah. oh man <laughs> Yeah. Oh no! It's, he wanted a house piano bashed out that loud. God, crikey! That's good. On one of those big Yamaha grands, that's going to be really noisy, isn't it? Yeah. I think I might just uh, put bashed out at three p.m. as a possible show title. Yeah, I, think. I wonder yeah. if that will fit. Bashed out at three a.m. Yeah, three a.m. I beg your pardon. Yeah. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Bagged out at three. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, it's nice joke. though. If you check them out, it's it's the Sound Iron collection, and it's just you know. They do. If you listen to that whole video, it gets really. There's some really nice stuff later on, which is much more, you know, my kind of thing. Less traditional piano, much more sort of interesting ambient stuff. Which, you know, as we know, it's it's all it's all uh, it's all good that we can have all of it, really. Um, okay, right. Um, let's see how we're we doing for time. Um, done that one. Done that one. Uh, that that was titled. Who's cut? Who's got enough pianos? 
Oh yeah, we are good for time. That's the thing. I've, I I get so fired up when I'm doing this cloud thing, and also it's summer, so there's there's a little bit less news. That uh, time flies really part. Time really does fly past. So I, I do beg your pardon. This last week was a little slower, uh, shorter. Uh, anyway, let's see. Um, maybe what I'll do is well, what shall we have? Shall we go for the? Uh, let's go for uh, tech. Another great video from Techmoan, uh, who's got a great. Like a lot of people nowadays, I've digitised all my CDs put them into iTunes and I can play them around the house using a Sonos system. But that doesn't mean that I don't have an appreciation for older music technology as well. Now in this video we're going to be looking at a couple of formats that didn't quite take off. We've got the Philips DCC, that's the Digital Compact Cassette. And we've also got the Sony L Cassette. We'll start off looking at that one first. This is typically a very deep, nerdy look at those things, and he's got all of these machines <laughs> that are that that still run. And you know, I mean, it, the part of me is part is of me it? is this sort of like, why on earth would you would you want to? But I actually, I remember DCC. I don't remember Elkaset at all. I just want to uh, quickly. Well, uh, is that a sticker or a chat? I can't tell. Who was that? Uh, what is that Wagyu? That's very kind. Oh no, Adamski. Thank you very much for your support. Um, Lovely, it's a lovely sort of quaint, slightly boffany, strange uh, dude that just looks deep at these things. But that, there was really, you know, because these formats have been going, the Elka set looked really interesting to me. I mean, it was about, <laughs> it, was, it was about that big. Looks just like a cassette, only much bigger. So I'm not quite sure how useful it is in that sense. But <laughs> I suppose, I mean, as, as people who've been working in studios, you know, we, back then, it was like, well, what do we need to be able to provide formats on? Some of these formats were acceptable for maybe mastering. Some of them were, would needed to have been post-mastering to have to be distributed on that so you might you, you finish your mix you send it to the master they would then have to do a special version for Alcaset or dcc that maybe had a different bias or what whatever the things that you have to do so i guess we might be familiar with them i uh, rich i remember you said that you used to work uh, uh servicing nakamichi's back in the day so maybe you've got a fond uh, or interest or a passing <laughs> interest in some of these formats or maybe not i don't know <laughs> well i've got other uh, related experience as well but to the to the specific ones that he chose for this video, I joke occasionally on the podcast about the uh, doorstops of the future Hall of Fame. And uh, most of these were relegated to the doorstops of the future Hall of Fame on the day of conception, because this was a process of the industry trying to sort out what we could use. Pardon me. What we could use in digital as a distribution medium. And so... Yeah. To the extent that the El cassette, literally, they never, according to the gentleman in the video, uh, ever sold a title, a pre-recorded title in El cassette format. So if you have an El cassette player, <laughs> all you're doing is recording one or two tracks of digital audio at some God knows what sample rate through Lord knows what kinds of converters. Because when CDs first hit, which was later than this, they didn't sound that good yet either. So so there's romance about El cassette, but it was a four. It was a evolutionary product along the way to trying to figure out what kind of digital distribution medium they could use, which eventually settled on CD at the time. And um, the other thing he had was a analog tape format that was running at double speed and twice the width of cassette, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. That Was that uh, the L cassette or was that the, the DCC? The, that, the DCC no, was, the, was digi the, di the digital oh, compact. Oh, all right. The L cassette ran at double speed then. And, uh, yeah. 
Okay, so um, these were tape attempts at digital, and the closest anybody ever gotten to make anything viable as a tape storage digital format was DAT, obviously, which was mm. a staple in every recording studio that any of us worked in back in the day. And that was the first sort of successful product that was able to use tape as a reliable storage mechanism for digital data. Uh, very soon after they went to CD and then the, the rest was history, as they say. Um, as far as my relevant experience, I used to work at a tape mastering house working on mastering eight track cartridges. So wow. um, I would I would be uh, what was remarkable about that process was that as a person who is making like practically minimum wage is being handed a finished master of some gigantic artists album and being told to resequence it at his whim to fit four different stereo tracks <laughs> across a minimum amount of actual tape stock so that the things don't cost a fortune to manufacture because the whole thing about eight track wow. is it runs in a loop and it's running four simultaneous stereo feeds across a piece of quarter inch tape that is running at seven and a half IPS or maybe it's three, no, it's three and three quarter IPS. And, uh, I would be, you know, so that was stunning to me that a guy like, you know, Peter Gabriel or Bruce Springsteen's album would show up in my room and I would be asked to resequence this thing. <laughs> like to the complete, you know, the artist has no pro no aspect of this process is controlled by the artist at all. That, that amazed me. And, uh, and I quite enjoyed the job, by the way. It was fun and it was interesting. And uh, I think I'm horrified by that particular fact of it. But uh <laughs> It's a very, you know, for another day, it's a pretty, you know, maybe over a beer. It's a pretty interesting process how this all gets done. So even before I was servicing Nakamichi tape decks, I was doing stuff like this, which is almost more like what they're talking about, because it has to do with an actual physical format that people tried to market as a consumer mm. distributable consumer product. And uh, the things that he described didn't get anywhere near that stage unfortunately i mean i guess fortunately because we ended up with stuff that's better okay, yeah i suppose well there were a few that did, did a run for the money didn't there there was uh there was uh uh mini disc that that was we because we used to use mini disc recorders and mini disc play there was like eight track mini disc playback things that ran on kind of that were like four tracks but they had a reduced yeah. uh audio bandwidth to stuff there, there were things that nearly nearly kind of got there but just obviously that it's down to the manufacturer price but yeah i mean the original um the early digital sounded dreadful didn't it i don't know i mean yeah. did you have any um any exposure to any of these don I remember hi-fi video being a format that was better than cassette to master onto if you were on your, using your Porter Studios and stuff like that. The hi-fi video was still analog, but the oh, yes. audio, you, you had a hi-fi mode on VHS, and that was actually really good quality, and that was a cheap way of mastering just before DAT came along. And I mean, eight tracks, I know a lot of cars had eight tracks in them, didn't they? So they almost cracked it. A mini disc was used a lot by, I mean, I remember BBC were using them for all their reporters and stuff, like everything would be recorded for broadcast onto mini disc and then set out and stuff for a long time but no i think um it's always struck me as a super clever this is a geeky geeky bit but super clever when to get more information onto these tapes they did it on video and then they use the same thing on dat because you've got the speed of the tape going past there's my 
camera there. Uh, obviously, if you speed the tape up, it gets better quality. But what they did was they kept the tape at the same speed and they spun the head on a, on a, on a disc so that the head was literally striping sideways on the tape. And they got much, much faster effective head uh, tape speed by doing that. And that's how videos and dats would work. And it's such a clever thing for someone to come along and say, well, actually, we don't want to speed the tape up. What we want to do is speed the head up. But dats were so unreliable. I mean... Man, yeah, the drop, got, especially when you're doing dumps that don't work anymore. S one thousand, yeah, exactly. S S one thousand dumps and S two thousand dumps would always kind of lose bits and bits and pieces. But but yeah, really, really worrying. But it was, I mean, it was a, a a complete game changer in terms of being able to master something and hearing back basically the same quality that you put in compared to what everyone had before, basically. So, you know, it was just such a brilliant, a brilliant thing to, to be able well, to there jump was, on. There was, uh, wasn't there, the, was it Sony F1 that recorded on pneumatic tapes? Oh, yes. That was yeah, something we that was used for a while. I remember, that. I remember that, yes. yeah, I remember there was a bunch of that, yeah. You remember, yeah. yeah. And they were supposed and to be this, pretty good. That was uh, PCM, wasn't it? Early PCM. It was. And uh, the, the uh, rotary head technology that Don refers to, which, by the way, striped in a diagonal, um, uh. was... Uh, was also the reason why we had ADATs, which was kind of a revolution in home. Yeah, It, it took yeah. the whole home recording thing to a completely different level from what had previously essentially been ported studios and the like. And when the ADAT appeared on a rotary head format, it, it kind of revolutionized the game. Rotary head machines, that being what they are, if you ever open it up and look at what that thing is doing to the tape in order to wrap it around that head, it's, it's damn near frightening. <laughs> And it's a wonder that those tapes survived as well as they did because they are not terribly thick and uh, they're being manhandled magnificently as compared to just, you know, a flat capstan uh, pinch roller kind of arrangement. Yeah, yeah. Scott from Canada the other in the chat room says he was just transferring F1 tapes from some F1 tapes last summer. Interesting. Sorry, don't. Wow. No, no, I was just going to say the other, the other thing driving the, the development of new formats was the ability to resell people's catalogues to the public again obviously so, yeah as you, know, you bought them on vinyl don't be atmos them anybody CD, them, <laughs> yeah exactly so so now streaming is slightly different but yeah the you know i mean people have bought at least three or four times the same the same record three or four times over the vinyl cd cassette streaming you know whatever it might be so there's obviously a big driver there to come up with better sounding yeah. um mediums in which to distribute music well it's no it's no surprise because phillips who were one of the major pioneers of new formats obviously used to have uh, quite extensive record labels uh, ownership so you know mm. that makes total sense um i'm just going to pop in with uh, uh, if you're into mastering and you need to find uh, you want access to some Pretty awesome tools. You should watch this. Club is a one-of-a-kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration sparking sample packs and preset packs and industry leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy winning producer and engineer Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. 
For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. In fact, if you head to isotope.com forward slash Sonic Talk, uh, they've got a little, they've changed the landing page and uh, you can try a monthly subscription for free. So uh, please do try that out. Uh, and we welcome uh, and appreciate their continued and long lasting support of the show. They've been very long uh, supporters of ours and we very much appreciate what they've, what they've been doing all this time. Um, okay, was there another, vi- is there another one? The pianos? Oh yeah, this was kind of fun. Now, I'm not sure how this is going to play because it was really loud i'll try it and we'll see if it works so let's try so this is reese's puffs this is a really interesting um idea they basically reduced a bunch of uh what's the word limited edition boxes that go together with an ar app that allow you to create this sort of step recording four track step recording and it's just such a genius idea so you know you you have to you have to buy yeah, you have to buy the recent. I mean, it's a brilliant piece of marketing. This was from a piece on uh, uh, Peter Kern's uh, Create Digital Music. I'll post the link in the show notes. Hold on, I've got to remember because I'm posting from a PC to a Mac, so I have to do Control V and then Apple V. There we go. There it is. Uh, this is a really interesting piece. Um, he interviewed the people from I think they're called an Anomaly Agency who made this stuff. There's actually also a couple of limited boxes that have physical controls, but the whole thing is linked to your phone, and you just sort of place serial on the grids <laughs> and create to create tracks. And I just think what a brilliant use of AR marketing to to market to uh, well, I suppose children ultimately. But I, I quite fancy this. It's a very stylish and mod. I could see that this made you chuckle, Dom. And this is because I mean, we're <laughs> we're brilliant. being told, aren't we? Conti- we're being told continuously that AR is going to be the next big thing. This is this is augmented reality, where it's got there either now. your headset or your or your glasses. You know, yeah, this is it. Are we there now? It's I don't arrived. Know. It's arrived. Yeah, yeah. I think this is the best, best, best use of stuff. I mean, just brilliant. And 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 it's educational as well. You know, building building drums on a on a on a grid like that, and and you hold your phone over it, and it, and the phone plays it having decoded the uh, the grid it's, it's just ab- absolutely wonderful um i had the pleasure of recording a voiceover with the honey monster once and they were desperately worried i think i might have said this before desperately worried that they were reducing the uh, abilities of being able to market to children although they wouldn't you know, kind of say that out loud so they were trying to come up with ways in which they could market across the board and i mean this I, i'd buy this now just because it's just an epic idea um but in terms of, of, of just getting something across the line and getting it in front of people, I mean, I think this happened a while ago now because it's been floating around for a little bit and they must have had more publicity out of this than, than anything else ever, I'm sure. I wow. mean, Reese's Puffs is not How, a UK... Did he, did he show up thing. in... I I'm, I'm, have to go back to your recording. Did he, did he show up like dressed like this? No, was I was really disappointed. He's a lovely, lovely guy, but he's quite small <laughs> and he was a little bit round. I mean, just a lovely, lovely guy. But he said, he said at the end, I recorded this thing, and they were, they were doing voiceovers and test stuff in the studio that I had. And uh, I was chatting to him afterwards, and I, I said, yeah, how you doing? He goes, oh, yeah, I'm off out tonight. So I said, um, oh, yeah, what, yeah, what are you up to? And it, he said, oh, I'm going to see Terry. And uh, it was as if I should know who Terry was. So I was thinking, I don't, I don't even know a Terry. I wonder who he's talking. He goes, I said, well, Terry, here we go. Terry the Tiger, we're all going off out for a beer tonight. So you've got the honey monster. <laughs> 
and it's oh Tony the Tiger, isn't it? Not Terry the Tiger. Yeah, Tony, Tony the, the Tiger, Tiger. Frosties, yeah, from, Frosties. From Frosties, going out for a beer in the evening to catch up on all things kind do you of think, cereal related. Do you think they met up with Snap Crackle and Pop as well? Exactly. I reckon Pop but was a real live, real live wire, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It was the way I should have known. He expected me. Oh, Tony. Yeah, Tony the Tiger. Yeah, I'm I'm sure you will get together. (laughs) What a world to live in. But yeah, he was the most unassuming, uh, unassuming honey monster ever. It was one of those guys whose voice doesn't match the the person. You know what I mean? When they open their mouth and this. (laughs) Great. comes out. I'm just writing down, tell them about the honey (laughs) monster as a potential title. I don't know if it was a US so, thing or whether it made it to the States. Uh, obviously, the uh, we don't condone the advertising of sugary snacks to children. It's a, it's a very passe thing. But uh, I don't know, Richard. I, there's something about this that doesn't kind of work for me because I'm, I'm just trying to find uh, this. It was, surely it's the wrong cereal because they're like round and they'll roll about. Well, I surely was thinking, it should be like fruit, maybe some Fruity Loops or fruit something. Loops. <laughs> fruit Loops Eurorack is what's probably coming next. <laughs> Captain Crunch filter modules and uh, Chocula uh, voltage routers and God knows what else. Um, no, it made me laugh and it looks like fun. And I obviously, I, I started to go after trying it out, but then I didn't have the cereal in the house, so I couldn't do that. Um it's pretty. It's pretty clever. I, I. I would love to have been in the boardroom when the guy walked in with this idea. That must have been some day with the pitch in a boardroom. Yeah, I will. But I, I. I've never. I mean, I've never seen a a a a AU uh, augmented AR. Sorry, I kind of get my get my terminology. I've never seen it. I mean, I suppose that that's the thing that's kind of quite interesting to me. I would love to see how that works because I mean, I suppose the closest we've come to mass consumption was that was the uh, was it Pokemon Pokemon Go where yeah, you would Pokemon go to places Go's. and things would be overlaid. I never I never yeah. tried that. I mean, I'm just not really a gamer. But I mean, there are instances where this would be, and we've seen it sort of. There've been some since that are more VR than AR. But I can kind of see that this this probably has. Has, has legs and it will ultimately be our gradual turning into sort of having Excellent. having the ethernet jack on the back of the head kind of thing you know i would say um, i don't know have you have you experienced any I, I, ar stuff um uh, sorry I, I do hope so so carry on rich i really like the sound of the wheat checks myself i i find the wheat checks sound particularly good <laughs> yeah i'll bet they do but it's you know i, I suppose i once we see an, a brilliant example of this, then it's going to be everywhere, isn't it? And I mean, there are rumours that this is going to be sort of Apple's next point of focus. I mean, if you uh, 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 yeah. the card and everything else they're supposed to be doing, but yeah, once somebody things, like that gets there? behind there's, it, it's going to be... Exactly. Yeah, there, and there's a few things going on at the moment. I mean, the AR typically was point the camera at something, camera recognises something and projects something on top of it. So, so the Pokemon Go thing would be, you know, point it at the, at the, at the table, it would spot the table it wouldn't care what's on the table in the way that this does which is why this is clever it would just go oh, here's a table now i'm going to put a cuddly character on there and you can interact with it as if there's a character standing in front of you almost like a virtual hologram of something in front of you whereas this is looking at looking for a specific pattern like the grid and going okay now i can work out where all the bits are and i'm now going to do something completely you know i'm just it's almost i'm just it's almost just recognition just like photo recognition and it's such a clever clever thing i haven't got a reese's box packet like that so i don't know what happens if you start moving them around or whatever or if you do a kind of live jam with one i mean that could be quite interesting but there's a few things like that 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> or multiple boxes sorry, next to each other with different patterns. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, you know, that's you what, that, that's what they, they were doing. That's what they were doing. That's what they That's what they were actually doing in that. Because... The latency is nothing, right? Because you're not sending any audio. So I could jam with you with our synced virtual reality audio. Yeah, just just brilliant. Yeah, but there's. I, well, um, I mean, as we've seen, I mean, iOS, iOS, the music drove the whole apps thing, you know, and so maybe that's mm. going to drive the whole AR thing as well. Has Tim yeah. Exile yeah. seen this? Well, it's right <laughs> probably, up that, that kind probably. of street, isn't it? Yeah, and there's right, the, exactly. the tap. Um, I can't think what the technology is called now. So someone in the chat might understand what I'm talking about. But um, a few things now where you can get like business cards that you tap on the back of a phone and it does a small low range Bluetooth kind of it can open a link or anything. It's a bit like a tapping QR code and that kind of stuff. So it'd be quite interesting to have drum kits made of those kind of things and just use that technology to to be able to hit things and, and, and call sounds remotely or, you know, in a similar way that you're operating that stuff in the cloud. It, it's just another interface however all of that is kind of complicated and it lacks that real killer app and i i think this cereal box is just the killer app i think mean, it's just <laughs> it's over isn't it it's all over <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. I just want to say uh, quickly, thank you, David, uh, for a uh, another uh, good episode this week. Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Uh, I did actually. Um, there's the Avatar thing. Have you heard this Abba's virtual reunion show where they're going to be in Avatar? I think it's just such a. It's almost worth doing just so they can use the name Avatar. Avatar is almost worth trademarking <laughs> just because it's so perfect. So I guess this will have some sort of AR aspect to it, or maybe it'll just be projections. I don't know. That's a bit off topic, I suppose. But uh, hey, what the hell? I'm rambling. That's not a problem. Uh, I, I'm 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 also rambling because I don't, I think we might actually have run out of. We've actually run out of topics. Oh well, unless we. <laughs> You've discovered, um, uh, our, our occasional series of uh, what have you discovered recently workflow or plug-in use of some some gear perhaps that uh, that has appealed to you in recent times I, I can start with you rich i mean i guess you've been on the road a bunch so i don't know how much time you've had to focus on you know things that maybe like hey this is a cool new workflow method um or a new thing that you've discovered have you uh, have you got anything that you want to care to throw into the the ring you mean besides incinerator? Um, besides incinerator. <laughs> I love you. Ten points. Love you too, Tom. Um, I I just recently got. Uh, I've been I've been kind of keen to, uh, in addition to our dear friend Dom, support uh, the Brainworks bunch plugin alliance because of this horrible flooding that they had that sort of took down a tremendous percentage of their business and in and they've been also very generous about sending out sale coupons so just yesterday i purchased from them something called black box which is a uh another mojo plug-in not unlike incinerator um but this one's got fake tubes on it, which uh incinerator doesn't have but uh it, it sets up uh, a tube kind of uh, saturation processing uh, environment. And I've been sort of more into my, uh, mojo, what I call mojo plugins, which are things that are not specifically EQs or compressors that affect your sound in some cool and positive way or negative way, if that's what you prefer. Um, so this is in the realm of mojo plugins to me. Uh, I, I picked up their black box, which is a tube, uh, tube simulation. Yeah. And it's, uh, 
it's nice. It's fun. I haven't. Uh, I've I've stuck it on some of the same lead sounds that I've got Incinerator on, and it sounds great running through Incinerator. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure it sounds really good on its own as well. And uh, I'm looking forward to finding ways to use these things because I'm about to embark on a pretty significant mix project for a product something that's very close to my heart uh, for an artist who uh, unfortunately we lost this year. So I'm oh. looking forward to giving these things oh. all a good workout while I'm uh, finishing that project. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for that, Rich. Mm -hmm. uh, Dom, yeah, how about yourself? Uh, a couple of things on this side. Reese's, just Reese's pieces have reached $20 on eBay for a, a limited edition <laughs> box. <laughs> just checking on that um chris synthian from the from the lovely pro synth network podcast explained a way of um resorting your logic plugins into kind of favorites and stuff which has been a bit of a game changer because at the moment on logic when you open them up you go to oh, plugins external third party is always at the bottom isn't it yeah it's at the bottom <laughs> and it's listed by manufacturer and and all the rest of it and actually it's really simple i didn't realize how simple it was to drag them around and go okay well i'm going to put these in in reverbs and i'm going to have you know so you could have a favorites with your favorite reverbs and stuff and then just the incinerator right at the top obviously but you know it's really easy to um to change which is which is just yeah real real time saver which had never even occurred to me so that's worth a look uh and and i'm still in love with this thing at the moment um it's just so much fun this it's is sp404 uh, SP it's the original one which has uh some different effects it does it's not as powerful as the later one so it's a really wonky kind of um you know lo-fi box and it's just a lot of fun it's the so hip-hop really machine isn't it lots of people it lot, is yeah and yeah, lo-fi as well lots people sort of using stuff um and and being the original one as well it's got some effects on there which which didn't make it through sadly so so i'm not sure if they're any better than the later ones but it's achieved a kind of um immortality with like oh you've got to have the vinyl sim off the original one and stuff like that so uh, it's been a really good fun and it, that's what made me quite like the, the piano we talked about earlier because it just sounds a bit like something you'd come up with on the 404 so, ah okay so low yeah, low been, vibe been well, that's that. interesting uh, thanks, Wagyu, for a little uh, a, a contribution to the drinks fund, which we will be... Uh, actually, I only had a cup of tea at Charles. He, he doesn't drink, so I'll have to figure out a way to buy him something uh, lovely from the, the fund of all of these super stickers and chats. Thank you very much. Uh, for me, most of my stuff recently has been... Um, playing around with uh there's a, there's something called bit focus companion which if you have a stream deck it's like a little server that sits uh, let me see if i can load up bit focus uh bit focus companion uh i'll i'll do a search it's like a little server that you can load up and you can customize to a very great de degree your stream deck but it has modules. So, for instance, I, I could use it to control this show. It will control vMix. It will control all kinds of stuff. And also give you feedback to buttons. You can have all sorts of different states. And it's able, you're able to create these sort of really complex Stream Deck setups and share them. Because if you have a Stream Deck and you go, I've got this really cool setup, you can't really share it with anybody else. Because all the buttons on Stream Decks, if you use their own app, have their own unique identifiers. Whereas this way just takes the numbers and the pages and does it that way. So if you created a uh, a bit, let me see if I can find it here. It's uh, it's free at the moment. Uh, yes, I agree. Let's have a look. Uh, I'll see if I can find some some pages and stuff. Uh, is there any information on it? I'm trying to see where it is. But it's all web based. 
and you can run an emulator. You don't even need to have a Stream Deck because what you could do is create this incredibly complicated, you know, multi-page Stream Deck that could be a, a, an XL or a small one. Many people who are in music production know Stream Decks are very useful for just triggering all kinds of events. But so you can create this thing, program it all up, and then run it as an emulator in the web in a web browser, which is then controlled by the QWERTY keys on your keyboard. So you actually kind of get access to all of this really brilliant programmability. Let me just paste the link in there. I think it's, you know, you might find that it does something that really floats your boat. Oops, that's not the one. That's uh, Control-C and then Apple-V, because I'm doing a prop between machines. What's no, it called? that's not it either. Bitfocus Companion. Control C, right? I'm just going to try and see if I can get this because I'm I'm having trouble. We're talking about Stream Deck by Elgato. Yeah, the Stream Deck by Elgato, but it's not by them. It's a third-party piece of software which is uh, made by uh, Bitfocus, and what it does is just allow you to program the whole the. the interface and the the and and what it'll do um because it, it'll fire off things like it'll fire off commands osc commands it'll fire off see, all kinds yeah. of stuff so you can I'm use it for it. some really uh, very powerful things so for instance and there's there's sort of macro so you can pile up commands but also you could say well when i press this button also activate this other button that's on another page of my uh um you know, of my Stream Deck configuration. It's re- really clever, actually, and I've just, just discovered it. And it means that you can share these configurations with each other as well. I mean, I it doesn't have this, the yeah. same... Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and that's my top tip. I think I've posted... And you don't, you don't need actually a need deck. a Stream Deck yeah. uh, if you don't have no. one. So that's really neat if you want to have, like, a interface for live streaming or something. Very good. Very, Very neat. Nice. Yeah. And uh, it'll run on a Raspberry Pi as well, apparently. There's also, you know, you just plug it into a Pi and it'll just run as a little server on a Pi or you can plug it into your computer. I've got it running on here on this computer because in case my MIDI didn't work, which has been absolutely faultless over RTP MIDI, I had an emulation of roughly the stuff I need to do <laughs> to, to run the mm-hmm. show. I don't think I can actually... Uh, can I do that? I wonder if there's a way for... I don't think there's actually a way for me to... Uh, uh, oh, there probably is. Hold on a minute. I'm going to sh- see if I can show it. This, now, this would be exciting. Let's see. So now I go to my <laughs> vMix call and I share my screen. I'll just instead. say goodbye now before we... <laughs> yeah, no, hold on. This, 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 this could work. Here we go. Share. So this is it. And uh, that's oh, wow. that's it there. So uh, I'm just going to come back because my uh, my camera's gone. So that means that, so now this is kind of interesting. So now, so this is running it in my web browser on my computer. So if I now, so let's change another shot. So if I change that shot, this will be a bit meta. So you'll see me changing shots via my wow. web browser. And this is changing the, the instances in vMix because I've got it set up to do that thing. Right. Anyway, so now wow. I've got to try and get back to my face <laughs> somehow. <laughs> let's go back to my camera. Buttons. Okay. Stop sharing. Back to the camera. Let's see. Is that going to come back? Toggle full screen. I don't know if that. Oh, it doesn't seem to come back. Okay, I'll have to uh, recap. Oh, I said, here he comes. There we go. So that's my top tip. Well worth a lot of the streaming professionals use it because it means they can send most most people who are doing this cloud production have one of these bits, stream XLs and you can just send them a text file to load in and it'll be the configuration for whatever the show that you need to switch on the day. It's very, very clever stuff. Anyway, 
So uh, I guess that I, I got us there. I got us to the end of... Yeah, it's past five o'clock. We've done a whole hour and everything. But guys, thank you so much for joining us, Rich. It's been a pleasure to have you. I'm so glad you had a, uh, an enjoyable experience gigging again with, uh, with our friends over here. I'm sorry I couldn't get to see it. It's a, it's a real shame. Maybe next time. But uh, have a great tour for the rest of your... Um, the rest of your tour in a couple of weeks and your project as well. I look forward to seeing seeing the uh, the fruits of your labours or hearing them even. Thank you very much, Nick. It's always a pleasure to be here and it's great to see Dom. I haven't seen him in a long time and uh, hope to see you both in, in person soon. And Dom Hawking as well. Thank you very much. You've got a show on Sunday. Have you got a guest lined up or are you? Uh... Yeah, super secret at the moment, but um, I think we're set up. I never plan more than a week in advance, so it's not quite secret. It's just not confirmed. But um, yeah, there'll always be someone there. <laughs> there'll always be someone around. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if you got in touch with Charlie Clouser, but I know he. Not uh, yet. He's no, very keen to I haven't had a, a chance. Chat, so no, that's, that's cool. That'd be great. Um, That'd be great. He, yeah, he's a good guy. So, uh, and thank you, Rich, for your very kind word. Lovely to see you on your very kind uh, words on the incinerator plugin. Very much appreciated. So, yeah, big, big love in today on uh, Sonic State. Yes, well, Mr. Wiggly for all your Mr. Wiggly needs Sunday night stream and, of course, the plugins and whatnot. So, uh, well, I, it remains for me to just go to our little uh, Thor up. Uh, well, that's that's my remote shot, which is. Uh, it, is no longer uh, active if you're interested again in in how this cloud-based production that actually did work this time works uh that'll be on the pre-show which you can find on our patreon which uh, i'll just pop there why the hell not i'll plug 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 so there we go right so that's it for this week uh thank you very much we'll see you all um soon take care bye-bye now cheers <laughs>